Welcome to the Psychology of Case Management podcast, the show that helps you use psychological ideas to strengthen your relationship with your catastrophically injured clients and their professional network, so you can achieve more for your clients and feel more fulfilled in your role. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to today's episode. It's me again, Dr. Shabnam Berry Khan, and thank you for joining me today to share an important date in my and many Muslim people's diaries. It is the start of the auspicious month of Ramadan, which is the fasting month in the Islamic calendar. Now, it's highly possible that since Ramadan is only held for about 30 days in any given year, that you're not actually listening to this during Ramadan itself. But whether you are or not, um, I would just like to say thank you so much for wanting to find out more about Ramadan, what it might mean to, to Muslims, its religious significance, and crucially, what it could mean to you as a professional working with Muslim clients, their families, and of course, our colleagues. This is, to me, in my mind, a clear step in working inclusively with the diversity that your clients and the personal injury workforce is represented by. And I really salute you for being here. So thank you so much. And I hope you see this in yourselves too. So in this episode, I shall try to share with you a little bit about the meaning of Ramadan to Muslims according to Islamic teachings and how it can look to Muslims worldwide. I'm Pakistani, so I'll probably bring in a little bit of my own experiences as a practicing Muslim of what Ramadan has meant for me as a British Muslim and how I relate to this annual ritual as a minority in a subtly Islamophobic, I'm afraid, society. I mean, that's another topic for another time. But for now, what I hope to do is to promote with you and our colleagues working in the personal injury field, ways to maybe navigate the challenges, personal and practical, of seeing a Muslim and their family starve themselves for 29 or 30 days from sunrise to sunset. Because whatever your background and experience, it's kind of confusing if you don't connect with the concept of religious obligation, cultural expectations, or uh, I guess spiritual enlightenment. In fact, it could feel like it's a positively bonkers thing to do, especially in the height of the summer, as it has been in recent years, when the duration of the actual fast is up to 18 hours. Sometimes I questioned it myself, to be fair. But um, before I get a bit carried away, let's just bring it back first to Ramadan and um, the basics. So Ramadan is the ninth month of the Islamic calendar in which Muslims all around the world fast for 29 or 30 days from sunrise to sunset. And uh, the beginning of that 29 or 30 days is dependent on the sighting of the moon. Ramadan itself is one of the five pillars of Islam, so it's really important to Muslims and it commemorates um, when the Qur'an, the holy book of Islam, was first revealed to the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and it's therefore considered to most the most sacred month of the Islamic calendar. While most people understand and know that, you know, us crazy Muslims will not eat during daylight hours, little other benefits are widely known. So I'll share some with you now. So spiritually, Ramadan offers an opportunity for a heightened sense of, I guess, God consciousness, which happens largely largely between the sunset break fast meal of iftar 
and the last time that you would eat in the night um, called the suhoor meal because most people will be attending the mosque although that's mostly the men folk to be fair for extended prayer times and reading the quran it can be a lot to pack into quite a short time so fatigue during the day is increased by both the fasting itself but also the spiritual endeavors however muslims also talk about becoming more self-reflective by reminding themselves of their self-control raising consciousness of what they consume and how it feels in their bodies. It's also a time to express compassion towards others, especially those more disadvantaged, such as those living in poverty with poor health um, and in unfortunate circumstances. So charity is a huge component of these duties during Ramadan, and it actually links in with another pillar of Islam. So in some ways you could argue it's it's sort of two of the core parts of Islam and what what represents Islam. Um which may explain actually why Muslims are UK's top charity givers. As a child, Ramadan was a mixed experience for me of blessing and curse. It was a real disruption to my daily routine which I at times resented. And the anticipation of it being hard was always so strong in me, even though it was always easier within like a few days. Yet when Ramadan ended, it often brought up feelings of something enjoyable that now needs to be packed away. Because it was such a joining activity in my family, in a family where little was ever really done together. And my wonderful mum, who struggled to fast herself, would cook amazing dishes and spoil us with these rich foods and special cuisines that expressed her pride and respect of our day's hardship of fasting. She would make these amazing rose milkshakes, which is weird because I hate rose ordinarily, and we would break our fast with this cooling drink. And then there would be plates of pakoras and samosas and pilar rice and salan curries and salads and a range that we would never normally experience you know in a meal in any other month of the year and they would off you know this this feast would often end with these homemade gulab jamuns which are like sweet dumplings which were a bit of a signature dessert of hers so when mum departed this world a few years back i never thought ramadan would carry such extra meaning for me as i try to replicate the experience for my own family and my father who is now unable to fast himself but who i love to remind of those special days with mum many muslims may have similar experiences of ramadan which are quite positive they are filled with love experiences of family members who may no longer be available to them and it's part of how they will see ramadan as adults and how they may be practicing it today so it's really important to bear that in mind But as I said earlier, fasting might seem a little excessive to those who do not connect with a spiritual or social motivation to change their behavior. And fasting really is not an unusual practice in any culture or religion. Equally, it's not actually that unusual in these more modern new age health and dieting regimes like the warrior diet or the 16-8 or the eat stop eat methods. In the Western world, Ramadan can be perceived often as a concerning ritual, 
that it might be harmful or unhelpful to those who practice it, especially if someone is less able or has health vulnerabilities. However, these concerns overall are usually unfounded and can be perpetuated by a lack of understanding or inquiry by the individual. In fact, I would urge you to explore any critical and upset reactions that you or those around you might feel in response to Ramadan as an opportunity to explore further what it is about the supposed extremeness and whether they are justified. So with that in mind, what does the research say about short-term fasting in general? Is it unhealthy or dangerous? Luckily, there is a literature base that can help answer some of these questions. So I will just touch on some of the findings that have a neurological context. So evolutionary theory supports the idea that short-term fasting heightens cognitive awareness and perception because food was never in abundance like it is now. In fact, overconsumption results more in cognitive impairment. And that's by uh, some research in 2019 by Matheson. But over the decades, um, some research in 1983 by Liebmeister and Schroeder and in 95, Elliman, Green, Elliman and Rogers, uh, and there are some more modern examples as well, have found that cognition is not necessarily negatively affected by short-term fasting. In fact, Davis et al. in 2008 found that fasting can improve neuroprotection, maintain cognitive function and improve mitochondrial function for those uh, after a moderate TBI. And finally, in a review by Gooden, Vasquez and Blomenthal in 2021, found that clinical studies were reported to show benefits of intermittent fasting in conditions such as epilepsy, Alzheimer's um, and multiple sclerosis on symptoms and the progression of the diseases. And in animal studies, they showed that conditions like Parkinson's disease, ischemic stroke, autism spectrum disorder, and mood and anxiety disorders may actually benefit from fasting. This is only a small sample from the literature out there, but I guess I wanted to say that there is some evidence, certainly, suggesting that fasting is not actually as bad as it might appear. And um, I think this is a really important starting point in terms of how we then think about our clients, their families, and our colleagues um, when it comes to fasting. So here are my tips for working with Muslim clients and their families, as well as colleagues during Ramadan. So first off, Muslim clients and their families. Be aware of the dates for Ramadan. It comes forward by approximately 10 days each year. Ask your client and their family members what Ramadan means to them and how they would like it to look this month in terms of the role that you play with them. How would they like to receive support in that time? This might include care, therapy and as well as expert meetings. Due to historical oversights of Ramadan, it might be hard for a client or family member to know that they can ask for a timetable that accommodates it. So advocating for them at this time might be incredibly helpful and um, a way to build a stronger relationship. My second point is eating or drinking in front of a fasting Muslim is not going to be viewed as a covert taunt but it does speak volumes about how a different way of life is responded to. 
It would be advisable to eat and drink outside of any meeting or arrangement with a fasting Muslim as a gesture of respect, rather than because a Muslim would be offended. It's an opportunity to reflect on why one is doing what they are doing and why it cannot be done differently during this time as a one-off. My third point is check in with your Muslim clients and their families during Ramadan. The research I've cited already indicates that there might be little founded concerns about cognitive functions, but there might need to be a respectfully undertaken risk assessment for other health needs and making sure that that is linked to research rather than hearsay or popular comments that are, are, are thrown around in the field. And explaining the risks to your client is important in achieving a mutual understanding of clinical and professional and personal obligations. Indeed, Ramadan is not required by those who will medically deteriorate as a result of it. The fourth point is recognise that fasting is difficult in the UK for most Muslims. The sunrise-sunset length can be quite long. I think I've mentioned it up to 18 hours in the height of summer. And this impacts on fatigue and mood. Appreciating that anyone can have an off day and a fasting Muslim is no exception. Um, And express patience and compassion in your approach. While it might not be valued in the moment, it certainly will be later on. My fifth point is, in the pursuit of understanding what Ramadan is about or might feel like, sometimes insensitive comments are unwittingly communicated. When someone is undertaking a difficult task that is perceived as an obligation, comments about how much weight they might lose or how dangerous it seems, questioning whether they should observe Ramadan without any specific rationale or showing pity about how difficult and unfortunate their lives are, can be highly offensive and appear, I guess, close-minded for want of a better word. Opening up instead the conversation with questions about how Ramadan is experienced, what the Ramadan specific terms might be, for example, iftar and suhoor I mentioned earlier, what is helpful during this month, what is enjoyable about the month, what the significance is for them specifically. Perhaps if it feels appropriate to the relationship, asking to join in one day to see what it feels like in your client family or their family member's shoes would be a welcome gesture. You may well be invited to an iftar meal at sunset, which would be a unique window into understanding your client and their life experiences. My final point here is know when Eid is, the celebration after Ramadan, as it will be viewed as a sign of care and respect. Appreciate that Eid is a space to acknowledge and share the spiritual bounty, if you like, of the month's hardships with friends and loved ones. Again, this time should be protected from external intrusions until the family and the client um, are ready to return to the pre-Ramadan routines. Supporting this with the team around the client is a really important role to play. Equally, while some of the points I've made earlier also apply to your colleagues, believe me, there is nothing more validating than being able to have an open and honest conversation about Ramadan with your colleagues Um, And I know this to be the case for other Muslims as much as it's true for me. To be part of a work culture that embraces this necessary detox speaks volumes about the people who represent our vulnerable and diverse personal injury clients and workers. So some ideas to consider with your colleagues is um, 
that it's an opportunity for personal injury colleagues, legal, therapy and care to be aware of something important going on. So being aware and sensitive to fasting obligations where males are expected to attend the mosque late into the night, where full-time working mothers who we work with will perhaps manage the meals around their work schedules. Both people juggling faith and work simultaneously. Of course, fatigue and possibly less energetic clients might be part of the acceptance for you for the month ahead. The pandemic has made Ramadan for the past two years a much less sociable experience. This year, Muslims will probably resume shared iftars with family and friends. Working from home might be something to offer Muslim colleagues, so there is more headspace to be calmer in mind, which facilitates the pursuits of the month. If you manage a team, speak to those who you know who intend to fast to resolve any possible concerns ahead of the month. And managers may also want to openly brief their team members to further facilitate effective working relationships and sensitivity. Consider meeting hours. Classically, if a meeting is after usual working hours, after five o'clock into the evening, it may not be um, possible for uh, for that to happen during Ramadan because that will be, of course, when people are looking to break their fast. So just negotiating and understanding what will work for particular Muslim colleagues who are fasting and to think about it more systemically in terms of their other commitments to family and, of course, to their spirituality. And finally, it might sound really simple, but it's so lovely as a Muslim to hear greetings um, that are Ramadan specific. Ramadan Mubarak, which means have a blessed Ramadan, or Ramadan Kareem, which means have a generous Ramadan, are usually spoken during the month of Ramadan. And it's, um, it's really nice to hear that. Ramadan ultimately is a significant and deeply held need for most Muslims in a way that it is hard to describe to non-Muslims, especially as it is often responded to negatively and critically. Knowing that the professionals working closely with clients, clients' families and colleagues are able to recognise, appreciate and respectfully work around one of the most sacred months in the Islamic calendar will benefit the therapeutic and working relationships immeasurably. It is also arguably the right way to respond to difference of any kind. So as I end this episode today, I just thought um, it might be helpful to understand um, what what the dates are of Ramadan in 2022, which is when this uh, recording happened. So Ramadan is due to start on the evening of the 2nd of April and will last 29 or 30 days depending on the sighting of the moon. At the start of the month each year sunrise will be at approximately 6.30 in the morning and towards the end of the month it will be approximately 5.50 in the morning. Obviously it will depend on where you are in the country, these these are London times. And as the month progresses, the days get slightly longer by a few minutes. So sunset will be at approximately 7.30 at the start of the month and will end at approximately 8.30. If you are listening to this outside of 2022, um, you can get the current year's timings from uh, the Islamic Relief Charity website. I'll put the link to the Islamic Relief website as well as the uh, research that I mentioned earlier in the show notes. 
So I think that takes me to the end of the episode with you today. Thank you so much for hanging on in there and listening to what ended up being quite a personal share of Ramadan for me and um, some experiences that I have had over the years. And I hope it's it will be useful to you in your own work. So I guess there's only one thing left to say, and that is Ramadan Kareem to you. Take care for now. Bye-bye. Before you go, if you enjoyed the episode today, I'd really appreciate it if you could rate it on whatever platform you're listening on and share and like on your social media profiles. Word of mouth is the best way for us to grow and to be a continuous resource for all. And if there's any topic you wish for us to cover, please drop us a line on our website. Thank you so much for all your support. 